Kamenetsky Brothers Podcast, Brian Kamenetsky, Andy Kamenetsky coming to you on Friday, January 6th, I believe it is, Andy, the, the morning or the afternoon before the Lakers play the the fearsome Miami Heat at Staples. Um it's been a it's been kind of an odd couple weeks. Like, you know, they the Lakers went through this horrible stretch where they lost fifteen of seventeen and and were, you know, couldn't win a game and, and all this other stuff. But they weren't that like to me at least, they didn't feel like they were that bad. You know, like they weren't good and they weren't winning, but they didn't like maybe I'm just thinking too much of like what it was last year. <laughs> no, like last, last year when they lost 15 to 17 is because they were losing every game by like 27. Well, I was going to say actually, I mean and, and both of us are not trying to be Pollyannas for the Lakers during this difficult stretch. I mean 10 and 10 seems like, you know, 6 years ago. Right, 10 and 10 was 3 and what are, what are they now? They're 13 and 26, 26 I think. Right. 13 so and 26. That, so that was 3 and 16 ago. Right. But a lot of this is not all losses are created equally. And it's the way you go about losing. And as frustrating as it is to watch the Lakers get up double digits and not be able to hold that lead, the flip side, and I don't think, again, this is not being Pollyanna's. I think this is actually an accurate way of looking at this team. Last year, the Lakers would have never built that lead Correct. in the first place. Uh, th- so this and is, being able to blow a lead. Yes, you have to have you, a lead. Right. And that represents progress. You're just not done with the work. All right. So that this is something that we'll get into a lot deeper uh, later on because it is an odd position that we're in, uh, having been accused for the last, I don't know, decade of being Laker haters and wanting bad things to happen to, to the team uh, that, you know, in many ways, quite literally pays our rent. Yes. So I, I never quite understood, but yet here we are. I think it's because most people don't understand that relationship right. and how it works. Everyone here does better when the Lakers win. But regardless um so we'll get into that we'll get into some uh some discussions about which one of the the core five players if you want to call them the young or as i call them the media guide the five guys on the cover of the media guide randall russell ingram nance clarkson uh really have the best and brightest future for the lakers and what that means uh, we'll start with a little nba news specifically with uh trade talk uh because it's getting to that time. We're getting to that time. We're in 2017 got, now. It's 2017, uh, and we have officially got to the part where trades are happening. I mean, I guess it hasn't been confirmed. Like, last time I looked, it hadn't been. But Kyle Korver is talking like he's going to Cleveland. We'll assume he's going to Cleveland until somebody tells me he's not going to Cleveland. It is widely assumed that unless something unexpectedly falls apart, that Kyle, Kyle Korver will be going to the Cavaliers in exchange for Mo Williams, who is semi with the Cavaliers, but not really? Again, uh, we we I think we talked about this morning. Mo Williams is the NBA equivalent of finding out that this like an old actress that dies was actually still alive to that point. Yeah, I mean, look, it, two, like, oh, Mo is still with us. Yeah, that's, two, that's 2016 nice. was undeniably brutal for famous people deaths. I mean, we lost legit icons yes but like you know when zaza gabor I, died i put my foot down and, on that and people one. like damn you 2016 no, i'm sorry no no she was 99 her, yeah i thought she was dead 15 years not ago get the claim no no absolutely I mean, I, my, no. you know my condolences to the gabor family but come on right it makes a mockery of f the whole you thing. 2016 no you no take, you could take zaza gabor she's 99 no, no exactly i mean that is a full Life at 99, you don't get to blame 2016. No! No! David Bowie, Prince, and now Zsa Zsa Gabor. 
Come on, 2016. So anyway, Mo Williams, uh, Mike Dunleavy Jr. and a protected first-round pick are going to the Hawks in exchange right. for Kyle Corver. Dunleavy may end up somewhere else. Never know. He may not. Doesn't really matter. No. Um, so that that helps. This is a big. That's a good trade for Cleveland. Yes, it is. Uh, that, I mean, that will help them a lot. Corver is a good player, particularly on a useful team. Yeah, and J.R. Smith is expected to be out until basically before the playoffs begin. There's been a lot of load placed on LeBron because of the injuries periodically to Kevin Love and Kyrie Irving. Then you've got J.R. Smith out. And you and I have talked about this before, Brian, insofar as the Cavs getting to the seventh straight finals. And I think this is different than injury because injury is something you can't count on unless you're talking about just a guy who always gets hurt. To me, there's that factor of LeBron hitting the wall because at some point that will happen. It may not be this season. This will be seven, right? Yeah, this will be seven. At some point, physically, LeBron is going to hit the wall, and that creates an opening potentially for the Raptors or the Celtics or whoever, and bringing on Kyle Korver helps safeguard against there being too much load on LeBron right Right. now. And it also indicates the, the Hawks, who are a playoff team currently, they're in the top eight. You know, I think they were nineteen and sixteen after Thursday's uh, game, but you know, whatever they are, by the time you you hear this, they're not going to win anything. And they are a wildly inconsistent yes. team. To I, begin I think with. we can all agree that the Atlanta Hawks will not be emerging nope. from the Eastern Conference. Um, I, I don't know if that's is that too hot takey. Is that me? You know, just saying the stuff that nobody's willing to say out loud. I mean, you know what? I think I'm okay. Just add Dwight. Good things happen. That's right. So, <laughs> poor guy. <laughs> <laughs> the, the the Hawks stay relevant here because the other the, the biggest name out there on the trade market that that you hear is Paul Millsap. Yes, um, who is awesome. He's very he very is good. Really good. He is very um, good, and he is uh, heading into the final year of his current contract. Right, and he's going to get paid next. Yes, year. Yes, he will. And so Paul Millsap is on the is on the block. The Hawks potentially looking to just blow the whole thing up and start over. <laughs> with Dwight Howard, with Dwight Howard in his thirties, making a lot of money. Good, suboptimal, but mm-hmm. this is what it might be. You try to get some sort of return, you can get a lot back. And the question becomes: the, the, Cleveland versus Golden State. That's the expectation. That's yes. where the Vegas money is, yep. and particularly now that Golden State's playing defense, there's no reason to believe it'll be anything else until somebody shows me something different. Paul Millsap is a good enough player that he can change that dynamic if he goes to the right team. And the right team, there's a there's a, a little Eastern Conference contender that could use a power forward. I'm telling you, I think the Raptors should move hard on Millsap. You know, last year I actually thought that they should, and maybe they did try, but I thought that they should have tried to make a push for Pau Gasol, you know, who clearly was not going to be rejoining the Bulls, and I think he yes. could have possibly helped them. Millsap would add a dynamic to that team that they don't currently Millsap's have. better than Powell. Oh, he's better than Powell, but I'm saying the way they're currently constructed, so much hinges on DeRozan and Lowry, and they're playing sensational, but it makes them that much easier to scheme against. You add Millsap, and all of a sudden the dynamic of how that offense works yep. changes completely. Because they have Jonas Valanciunas in the middle, who uh, Dwayne Casey, I think, kind of hates. <laughs> I mean, as far as I can tell, he just doesn't like him at all um, and doesn't play him a lot in second halves and all this other stuff. And you know, Basically, he can't play defense, right. um, particularly when teams go small. You know, Damari Carroll's there, but they're power forwards. I'm just looking at the roster. The guys who are listed specifically as power forwards. Patrick Patterson. Patrick Patterson. Who's and, been good. He's actually played very well. Right, he has. But, but he's Patrick not, Patterson. He's Patrick Patterson and Pascal Siakam. Who is their nominal star. He, he is their version of when A.C. Green 
was the starter, Samaki Walker, during those championship teams, and Ori got most of the minutes. If you add up their PERs, I, I'm literally looking this up on the fly, if you add up their PERs together, Syakam and Patterson, they basically equal Millsap. Right. That is, but it's not how you do it. <laughs> For those of you trying to do analytics stuff at home, that's not how this works. But the thing is, too, I mean, like, there will be people who say, well, if you add Millsap to the Raptors, it's still not enough. You're not going to beat LeBron and Love and Kyrie. And that may be true. But if you're the Raptors and you're looking at consecutive 50-win seasons, don't you have to go for it when there is actually a window for it? If you're not going to go for it now, when will you ever go for it? Particularly if you think. And by the way, people love playing up in Toronto. Yeah. I mean, assuming if Paul Millsap can handle cold weather, and he used to be in Utah, I mean, he was, he, did he sign or was he traded? I don't remember. I don't remember. But like, you know, I think that's who drafted him. Right. I'm saying with Atlanta. I mean, when he he, I don't remember. It yeah, really doesn't, doesn't matter. matter. But if you think you can keep him, then now you, you're talking about you know DeRozan and, and Lowry. Well, you have to re up. Lowry's expected to be re-signed by the Raptors, right. whose value in Toronto is much higher than he's getting anywhere and all, else. And also, too. Loves he, it there. There's, he loves it there, and, and we've talked to him about it. He, he loves playing there, and there's no point to giving DeMar DeRozan the contract that they gave right. him if you're not planning, planning to bring back Lowry. Right, and, if, and, and for another te- for the Raptors, it makes sense to give Lowry that money. For another team, now you're starting to look at, well, he's getting a little older. How old is he going to hold up? With the exception of Philly, I can't if imagine you can another add, team... You know, yeah. really backloading the, I mean, uh, backing up the Brinks truck. Right. So if you, if you have that and you think you might be able to keep Millsap, now you got a big three that can really compete. I don't, or I at least swing for it this right. year. But, man. I, but swing way, for it this I don't even, year. My point is, I don't even think it's a bad move long term, especially. It, I don't know what they'd have to give up. I'm looking at their young players. They've got Norman Powell, Lucas, uh, no, uh, Nogue, I, I'm going to say Noguera, I think is how you say it. Guy with the they, funny hair. Right. Podol, the guy with the awesome hair. The center that they just drafted. They've got Caboclo, the, the Brazilian guy who. The Brazilian Durant who never right, plays? Right, who never plays and was described by, I believe it was Fran Fraschilla when he was drafted as four years away from being four years away. Yes. Um, but he was nine when he was drafted. So that actually works out okay. I'd love to see this trade happen. Yes, I would too. A, I think the Raptors are a very underrated best, team. Best offense in the Eastern Conference. They, by virtue of being in the same conference with Cleveland and everybody considering it, you know, fait accompli that Cleveland's going to end up in the finals again, I think people overlook how good the Raptors actually are. They're a good team. But, they're, it, not, but they're not Cleveland good no. unless you. So, but, And also, too, if you're Toronto, if you want to ever try to get free agents. You need to signal that you want to win. Agree. Swinging for the fences with Millsap signals that out. Yeah, they should do it. I don't know what they'd have to give up. I don't know if they have the stuff. Maybe like Terrence Ross. Maybe maybe some, Powell, like a draft pick, whatever. Draft picks, do it. third teams get involved. Do Are it. you listening, Lakers? Um, do it. So that gets us to the, the Lakers um, and the trade talks surrounding them. Mitch Kupchak was on uh, Spectrum Sports. I almost called the Time Warner. Old habits die hard. It was he was on Spectrum Sportsnet talking to Mike Bresnahan, um, and was asked about the tr- possibility of the Lakers making a move. And uh, in lieu of playing that audio, uh, I will summarize it for you. Maybe <laughs> it was it was a lot of it was a very big word salad. It was forty seven seconds. The clip that we happen to have that we cut up here in the studio is about forty seven seconds of what amounts to. I don't know. We'll see. Yeah. Again, this is what makes makes Mitch so great. Like 
insofar as working with us, the media, while not giving up the right. ghost, that guy will talk for 30 minutes. Here's, here's make why. Make you think he, yeah. gave you, he gave you details. He gave nope. you nothing. Here's why we're probably not going to make a trade. But on the other hand, sometimes you make a trade. Maybe. Maybe. You never know. You never know. Could end right up now, we're not. We're right not, now we're happy yeah. with our young players. But We'd like never, to build around them, but at the same time, you're always looking to improve. Nobody on this team is. There's no Kobe on this team. My job untouchable. to be always talking to other general managers. God, that guy would be a good CIA operative. He would. He'd be fantastic. Can you imagine being interrogated by him. You just stop. Just stop. Just okay. Fine. Raise your voice a little bit. No, no. I'm. I'm talking. I'm saying like you would be yelling and you tell him whatever you want just because he'd be relentless and calm the whole time. Now, I'm, I, I meant more if he was the guy getting interrogated. Oh, no. He, no good luck but, getting anything out right, of Right, but that, Mitch, though, what makes him great in that position is he would make the people interrogating him actually think he gave them information. Maybe. And then, you like, 30 minutes later after you release him, you're like, wait a minute, he didn't say anything. All he did was give us a brief history of what we asked about. All I know is you're not getting any information out of the guy. No, you're not. Uh, but the, the, the Lakers, when it comes to trade questions, short of something just – Totally unforeseen happening. It's not going to be Russell Ingram, you know, the the hypothetical gigantic blow it up and bring in boogie kind of thing. No, um, it will be. Hey, what can you get for Nick Young, who is suddenly awesome, or and cheap for next year, maybe, or Lou Williams, who is cheap for next year and has played well all year. And you know, I mean, former six man of the year, you know exactly what you're getting. I mean, really, you know, nobody should root for athletes to get hurt. But if you're a Lakers fan who wants to get some sort of return on one of these guys, you want a six-man somewhere to have a knee well, injury. Well, it's, it's interesting, actually. My immediate reaction when I saw news of the Corver deal was that this was bad for the Lakers. Yep. Because, in theory, Nick Young and or Lou Williams fills the role that, particularly Nick, because he's got the size to be a starter, he fills that role that Kyle Corver is being brought in to you know, offset the absence of J.R. Smith. And obviously it doesn't mean that the Cavaliers couldn't want to load up even more. But at the same time, it potentially takes one team yeah. out of the mix. And it takes one of their draft picks away. It's like right. they're just, they're, there is a limited amount of stuff right. that Cleveland so that has to give up. My immediate reaction was that sucks for the Lakers. So, I mean, it gets the, the fundamental question is, is first where could they send them? But also, you know, there are people who believe that you shouldn't, "Quote unquote breakup with the Lakers have right now. Um, they are thirteen and twenty six, thirteen and twelve and twenty, whatever it is. Um, they're not out of it in terms of at least being playing quote unquote meaningful games down the stretch. It's it's still very possible that you could they they be close enough the four or five six games out with you know thirty to play twenty five to play where you could at least pretend that if you get hot you can get in." There are people who think you shouldn't trade to those guys because if you you know you might be in that situation you need Lou Williams and Nick Young. I am not of that mind. I think if you I, I get the value that the veterans bring. Ultimately, we're still talking about Lou Williams and Nick Young here. If you can get value for them and and get more stuff that you can use to build, I'd say do it because. You, we were talking earlier about Nick Young's contract. There's no guarantee he's going to be here next year anyway. Right. I mean, he's got he's got a player option for next year. And the way he's playing right now with the rising cap, you would think he's going to opt out, you know, at the very least to get a longer-term deal at the same price. Right. So you would think that there's a good chance Nick may not be around next year. I tend to agree with you. I The one piece of devil's advocate logic that I would say 
insofar as not wanting to pawn off too many guys, and I guess there's, there's a only limit. Two. Right. Well, I was going to say there's a limit into how much veterans you veteranship you can pawn off because Lou Aldang and Timothy Mosgov. Well, if somebody wants to give you something for Lou Aldang, I think you have to listen. Oh God! Like, I mean, I know that's going to be tough. Yeah. Someone asked us on Twitter, "Would you trade Timothy Mosgov for Andrew Bogut?" I'm like, "Yes." Yes. But Dallas isn't doing that. Right. I would do it. Do that on in a heartbeat. basketball merits. I'm, forget, but I would certainly do it on contract. I was going to say forget. The basketball merits, fine. I would do it purely just for the contract. I'd like to think the person asking that question was only asking based on the basketball, not right. the contract. Right. I, I would think so as well, because those are typically the questions we get asked, which are totally Laker-centric, and they don't give a crap what happens to the other team. But I, I would say that there is a certain value with the development of this core moving forward to having them taste as much winning as possible. Correct. I agree with you. Without, without derailing the bigger picture. Right. And, but and Nick and Nick and Lou do they're, not they're get not, in the way of that. They're not. But Nick and Lou do play a role in them actually winning games. Correct. And which is why, again, I wouldn't necessarily get rid of all the veterans at once were it possible, just because you want sense, some sense of structure. You see what goes on in Philly. And beyond the fact that the pieces don't really fit together. No, you need, you need there have been guys. no adults need, in the right, room. You need adults in the room. But like Nick Young. <laughs> hey, you know what? For I, this I know. Team, I just I just like I like saying weird. that out loud. It's weird, but it's true. I mean, go back to what you said before. Of course, Nick Young is going to opt out of his contract at the end of the year. That's not something you would have said six months no. ago. No, it's not. No. Are you insane? He's not going to. No, he's going to hang on to that precious, precious last contract as long as he possibly can. But you know, I I don't. I don't think that they should keep those guys anticipating the playoffs or something like that. But I do think there is a value in trying to keep some winning around. Because like the idea of tanking to try to keep yet another pick. No, they can't. They're, they're, that's not going to. I mean, look, they, they are mathematically still at like a 30% sure. chance of keeping that thing. But I mean, that's a difficult needle to thread. But also, too, it's not like the last couple years where the Lakers desperately needed their picks. Like, if they didn't keep the picks that turned into Randall and Russell and Ingram, they'd have been screwed. Yeah. This year, it would be nice to get the pick. It'd be, but it'd be pretty awesome. It would be great. It'd be but great for them. It would be great, but I'm saying it's not lifeblood the way it was the last few years. Well, look, if they'd missed it last year, they would have gotten it this year. I mean, it just would have... It, it delays the timeline. They got lucky in the sense that they could put all of it together. Sure. So you get young players. That said... I'm just saying the context has changed a little the, bit. The, it is because they've got a good young core, but they, whoever they are, say that this year's draft is really good, so if you can get into it, you're you're good. I, I'm um, not... And, I'm certainly and, not above and, getting into it. And the Lakers, if they keep the pick this year, get to keep the one in 2019. Because the last pick they owe to Orlando becomes two second rounds. Right. So essentially, keeping the pick this year is worth two first rounders. Right. I just, just here's the thing: I wouldn't try to make that happen because the reality is this team can lose enough games without. Let's trying. talk. And let's talk and, about and that. And you don't want to set up a culture right where from the beginning where you're developing losers. So let's talk about that because I again we we've been Laker haters for a decade. And I feel every time I talk about this team now, I feel like Ireland, where I'm just where I'm all I'm doing is bright siding this whole thing because they keep building leads and they keep losing. And we got this great tweet a couple weeks ago, and I go back to it over and over again. Last year, I'll even say, uh, dare I say, Andy, the last two years, the Lakers were depressing. Yeah. This year, they're frustrated. I actually used to regularly do our post game shows for seven ten with a gun in my mouth. Yes. 
It was remarkably it was articulate. Awful. It was that awful. So they were they were unwatchable, and there was no hope, and there was nothing. This year, you're frustrated because they've played. You know that stretch where they lost fifteen to seventeen. I mean, most of December, really. You go back through it; they were competitive, not just like, oh, you know, that was a pretty good game, but like actually, wow, they should have won that one, or yeah. very likely could have won that one, or had a chance to win that one in something like. I would say nine. I did the count yesterday. Like nine of the 15 losses. And about four or five of those, you were like, how do they not win? And so, you know, and I'm not saying there's a, you say you lose, you go two and 15 to lose 15 to 17. If you win three or four more of those, you're still six and 11. But six and 11 feels a lot different than two and 15. And if you play those games over again, there's a chance the Lakers probably win two or three of them. Yeah, they didn't play nearly as badly as a team that lost fifteen to seventeen, and so, I in the same way that Walton, when we were talking, you know, he was talking about the defense. Like it, he's like, it's gotten better. It's just hard to tell because it used to be we would screw up on step three of step eight if there are eight steps to have a good successful defensive possession. Now we screw up on step five instead of step eight instead of step three. You're still giving up the points and the results are still bad. But you're getting better. That's kind of where this is. They're getting better because they are competitive in games that they never were competitive in the last two years. Yeah, we get asked all the time, and this is a very cliched question, but we get asked, are the Lakers, are the real Lakers the 10-10 and 10 version, or are they the version that we've seen during all the losing? And the answer is yes. yes. They're both. Both of them are that team. This team doesn't have an identity yet. You don't know who they are. You don't know how good they actually can be. They don't know. They're figuring it all out. And they, they are I think they know I think they know how good they can be, like not like in the are we gonna win three titles or five titles, but like I think they understand what their potential is, but they don't know how they don't know how to reach their potential. Correct. They, they don't, don't know, know how, how to, to do it. They're not honestly. They're not ready to do it yet. Why? Why can't you know? Why the, the, the problem is always the same. Like we've seen it. They build up the sixteen point lead and they give it away, or you get into the fourth quarter of a tight game and they can't run their offense. Right. The defense is not good. Don't get me wrong. But the you know the problem. Take Portland uh, on Thursday night. The problem with Portland was they couldn't score. No. They scored six points in the last six minutes of that game. You go back the you know the. Uh, was it Dallas or one of those games before where they couldn't get a good possession in the last 90 seconds? At least Utah. And Utah wins that game. Over and over, Charlotte, they terrible offensively down the stretch. It's because, and people are like, well, why can't, why do they always make that same mistake over and over again? It's because what they're being asked to do in that situation, which is run your offense, you know, cut harder, pass more, do all that stuff, is harder at that point in the game than it was in the first half when you were doing it. And the Lakers, what they don't have, Paul George, Kevin Durant, James Harden, one of these guys, Kobe Bryant, who bail you out of bad possessions and get you points when you don't deserve it. Lou and Nick are capable of it at times. At times, but But they're not They're they're not Kobe, they're not Paul George, they're not Durant, they're not Steph, Westbrook, guys like that. Lillard and McCollum against the Blazers. Occasionally, we've seen... Julius Randle take over a game down the stretch. We've seen D'Angelo Russell take over a game down the stretch. I think those guys will be capable of doing that but consistently not, in a year or two. I remember during that losing stretch, Brian, we got a tweet sent to us at Cam Brothers asking if that you know that streak of losing represented rock bottom. 
And my response was, this isn't rock bottom. This is rebuilding. Really? I mean, where were you people last year? Right. This is what happened. You people thought two years. You people. You people. You people thought two years what ago. What do you was mean, rock- you people? That's right. <laughs> you people thought two years ago was rock bottom. Look, no, it wasn't. This is something I, I emphasize. Last year. I emphasize this a lot. And I say it over and over, but I don't think it can be said enough. The last few seasons may have felt like rebuilding because the Lakers were losing. Those seasons were not rebuilding. Those seasons were actually a desperate attempt to avoid, at the very least, the appearance of rebuilding. You're exactly right. This is the first year of an actual, unbridled, transparent rebuild. I completely agree with you. And but but and this is what you have to remember. As frustrating as that might be in the sense that you lo- you watched all these losses the last couple of years and maybe it's frustrating to think about okay, what could they have done to make this cleaner, accelerate it more, be in a better place than they are right now? The bottom line is if you are in the first year of a rebuild, there are far worse places to start that than with Julius Randle, Jordan Clarkson, D'Angelo Russell, Larry Nance Jr., Brandon Ingram. To that, to that end. That is a really yeah, good starting point. Nance, I think, has shown exactly what he is in this league. I don't think anybody, other than, gee, I'm a little, starting to little, get a little worried about his health. Yeah. But I don't think anybody, I don't think anybody around the league wouldn't take Larry Nance in a heartbeat. That guy, if he were on the Spurs, he'd be in the rotation. Yeah, he'd be a valuable He'd member. be in the of rotation with the Cavs, the Warriors. He, he is a legit he's rotation a, and player. He's going to be an important part of this, of this team if they get to a point where the games are playing matter. You and I are both very high on Ingram. A lot of yes. other people are. We've watched every game, and you see the skill set there. I think Russell, particularly in the last couple weeks after he's gotten a little more comfortable coming off the knee, starting to shoot a little better, is showing, again, is he going to be Chris Paul? Probably not, but he's going to be... Most players don't end up Chris Paul. Right. He's going to be... He could be Mike Conley. Could be. Mike Conley's a really really good good player. player. You know, and I think... Maybe Damian Lillard. Could be. Somewhere between that. Those are good players. I think Randall has shown himself that he's going to be really good. Yes, he is. And so you got three guys, all of whom are progressing nicely. The only one I would say I've been a little disappointed in is Clarkson because I think he's regressed in, in the stuff that isn't just get the ball, do stuff with the ball, try to score the ball. He's still pretty good at that, but everything else he's kind of regressed. And it worries me that somebody who's considered a scorer, bench scorer comes in off, you know, whatever, He's so bad at getting the free throw line. Yeah, I mean, a little bit of that may have to do with being young and not getting respect. But you're yeah, right. But you're right. Russell is young, doesn't yeah. get respect. He gets the line yeah. more. Yeah. Randall, young, doesn't get respect, gets the line Actually, more. Actually, I think Tarek Black, minute by minute, gets to, the, gets to the line more. Clarkson averages two free throws a game. I know. There are games when he takes 20, you know, eight, 16 shots. No free throws. With no free throws. Yeah. And that is absolutely unacceptable yes and so you know he's part of what makes lou williams lou williams is that ability to get to the line great scores nick young has get that, to the line not nick maybe young to the degree to, of lou no but, because he doesn't put the ball on the floor right but but nick draws a lot of fouls for, for, a, for jump a guy shooter. who never puts the ball on the floor yeah. he still gets to the line and, you know what makes great scores great is that they they can get on a night where they're three for 12 they'll still score 24 because they get to the line nine or ten times yeah and that's what Clarkson can't do. And while I think he's he's obviously I, I think he's a good kid. I think he he works hard. I think he wants to be good and whatever. He's twenty four, I think, at this point. Yeah, pushing twenty five. And while you can develop better habits, you can 
work on details. You can change your approach and strategy. He's pretty much, I think, at this point, what he is. Get a little better. Yeah, I think. But I, I think he can get better. I mean, in fa- I don't think you. Can, I don't think you're going to see a leap. From I will Jordan say Clarkson. this: in in fairness to Jordan, and I consider him a good player. And no, I, no, I don't no. regret the Look, contract. If, if Jordan Clarkson, and first of all, his contract's a steal in this day and age for what he's doing right this yes. very second. And when Lou Williams and Nick Young are eventually gone and Jordan Clarkson is your primary sixth man, it's going to look a lot different. Right. And if if Clarkson ends up, of the core five, the fifth best player, assuming the other guys progress the way you and I think they will, that's fine. That's actually totally fine. Yeah. I will say this, though, in fairness to Clarkson, that maybe could explain some of the lack of progression is that his role has changed a lot. It has. Year to year to year. And there's also redundancy with he's kind of being asked to do the same thing that Lou does and the same thing that, that Young does. And both of those guys are a little bit better at it. Yes, they are. And, you know, particularly the way that Nick is playing, where literally everything he's doing from a shooting standpoint is at a career high. Right. So I, I'm just saying, like, in that sense, you know, because part of development comes with repetition, and there has not been a lot of consistent repetition when it comes to what you're being asked to do. With Clarkson year to year to year, yeah, I, I, I'm not. I, I, I'm not trying to get rid of the kid. No, I know you're not. Um, I, I would say of the of the core five young players, he's the one who I would I agree think is the that. most been the most disappointing. I'm not even including Zubats in this, who I think eventually you know he's averaging what like sixteen and a half and ten, and when he plays in the D League, he's like a puppy. Yeah, you know, I mean that that there's no reason to believe he couldn't become a useful player. You know, Marcus all light. Hell, Tarek Black could be a useful part yep. of a rotation. You know, Tarek in his minutes has played very right. well. It's just, it's just funny how this how this works. Like, if, if you don't hit like Carl Anthony Towns or some of these other guys, poor Zingas. poor Zingas hit right away. Man, people give up on you quickly. Yeah, they do. I mean, oof. yes, they do. Um, all right, so I mean, I mentioned Mike Conley before. Remember when Mike Conley first got that oh, fifty bust. million dollars? Remember when he got the five-year, $50 million Worst deal with Memphis? Worst contract ever. Right. Now he has literally the highest yes. contract in the league. And it's not because he's the best player, but no. it's, you know, he's a max guy. He was a max guy in particular that's, for Memphis. That's why I always try to explain it. It's like there's all-star. Like making it, being an actual all-star is really hard. Like look at just who – look at the, the, the roster of players that you could put together this year in the Western Conference who are probably not going to make the all-star team. A lot of like, good players. Gu- like just guards. A lot of good players. Like Damian Lillard is probably not going to make the All-Star Which, team. by the way, Port- Portland's hoping for. I think, Portland sure. loves when Damian Lillard doesn't make the All-Star team. is definitely not going to make no. the All-Star team. No, he's not. Mike Conley, not going to make the All-Star team. No. These are good players. Really good players. And so, I mean, and look, sometimes are you All-Star caliber? That's the question. That's really the question. And all three of those guys, Randall, this kind of gets into the last topic that we were going to bring up today, like that sort of who's who's the best one. All three of them, I think, have the potential to be all-star caliber players. I agree. If I had to make a guess, I would say I like Ingram's skill set the most because I think he's got the ability, if he, once he puts on 25, 30 pounds, he, I think, will develop. The shot will come back. He can put the ball on the floor. He can drive. He can, you know, I think he'll develop, you can develop a post game. He sees the floor like a point forward. He, he sees the floor astonishingly great. well at times for and a 19 year so I think he's got the most complete skill set because Randall likes to pass the ball and all that kind of stuff, but is less effective at it in the half court. I think Ingram will be better at that, and he doesn't have the, the mid-range game and beyond. I think he'll develop it, but it's not there yet. If I had to guess, I'd say Ingram. But they're all going to be really good, I think. I and agree. It, but the thing I like best is they have skill sets 
that overlap each other. They don't get in the way, but they overlap in the good ways without making it so you have to choose between Ingram and Randall because you can't play both of them at the same time. That's not going to happen with this group. No. No, you you don't end up with Kobe and Eddie Jones, you know, like towards the end of the 90s. Okafor and Embiid. Right, exactly. I mean, that that in Philadelphia is a mess. That is a mess. I mean, regardless of whether or not you believe in the talent of any or all of those players, you know, their core young players, it is a mess over there. Well, I believe in Embiid. I think once they sort out the forwards thing, because... You know, they, they see Ben Simmons really as their point guard. Sure. So you have them and you put Sarge on a wing and you have Embiid in the middle and you have Noel probably at the four and that, you know, starting to look like a real team. But you still have to, you used an asset on Okafor and now you have to get rid of that asset in a way that is totally not to your advantage because everybody knows you got to get rid of him. Everybody knows why you have to get rid of him because he's terrible. On defense, which, by the way, is why you and I didn't want to pick him. Nope. Because couldn't play him next to Randall. Nope. I don't think where the Lakers are. I, I don't know I which agree. one of those guys can be mentioned, but it almost doesn't matter. You you want that Golden State model where, yeah, Steph's better than Clay, but Clay makes Steph Steph in a lot of of important ways, and Durant is going to you know make these things happen, and Draymond allows the team to perform in ways that they couldn't if Draymond wasn't Draymond. So it doesn't matter really if Randall's not quite as good as Ingram, but performs these incredibly valuable functions on a good team, and Russell is a great outside shooter, never developed into Chris, but it doesn't matter Look, the, if you get where you're going. The, I was going to say, the, the fate of the Lakers moving forward and, and whatever prosperity they may or may not reach, what really matters is that all of these kids you don't miss, like right. flat out miss. That's good. No, they, 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 better than you can't miss. They have to be. They all have to be good. Like, okay, that's what I meant. Like that's fine. That's what genuinely, I genuinely. Yes, they they good. have to be good. But like for example, you know, when the Lakers selected D'Angelo, could have taken Porzingis. It's looking now. I think that unless you know Porzingis has injury problems, he's going to be the better player than Russell. I would agree. But having said that. As much as you, it would be nice to have Porzingis, the fact that Porzingis will end up better than Russell doesn't kill the Lakers unless Russell sucks. Correct. If Russell sucks, then it really hurts them. Right. But if Porzingis is simply better than Russell, a very good NBA player, in the okay. at the end of the day, assuming like Ingram and Russell and Nance and all them are good, then they're fine. The Lakers are fine. Yep. They just they can't. They and Randall's clearly a good player. Russell, I think the worst is going to be like a good player. I mean, he's not, he's already a pretty decent player. Look, what I think what fans and everybody really have to remember this is the first, I mean, regardless of what year they are in the NBA, for these kids, this is their first, first year, year of right. actually first being year, right. coached yep. and actually being treated like something other than a vessel to give the ball to Kobe or a nuisance. Yep. I agree. And so as somebody who picked the under in the 24.5 Vegas line and the over-under before, I am perfectly content where they are right now. Other people are disappointed because it looked like they might get to 35 or 36 wins, which they won't do now. No, but I picked the over, and I'm still feeling good. Um, you know, So you get to, this whole thing settles out at 27. That's what I picked. 28? That ain't bad. Nope, not bad at and all. And they're playing well enough to do that. I mean, when everybody's been back since the injuries, um, they've, been, they've been competitive. So, um, all right, well... That is that, mm-hmm. would you say? Yes, that is that. That is that. And so we'll try to do this again next week. Yeah, we, we've, well, had we some will. Ske- we've had some scheduling issues of late, you know, but we'll definitely try to we'll be try. In. It's a new year. The new people schedule. demand it. They do. Sort of. They ask about it. Often. Yep. See you next time.